Listen, this morning we're starting a new series. Man, I am, I am super stoked about this series. It's, it's not just a sermon series. It's going to be a church active series. We're going to get busy. And all the mamas went, yeah, but you, you forgot school's starting. <laughs> but we, we're, we're starting a new series called uh, Pray First. And, and, and we're kicking off our 21 days of prayer today. And you sound real excited. Good. Whew, got my work cut out for me today. All right. So typically in January, we do 21 days of prayer and fasting, right? So what we're starting this year is in August, we're going to do 21 days of prayer and feasting. Some of you want to fast, you go fast, but this brother's eating, okay? I saved my starvation for January <laughs> once a year. So, but we're kicking off our 21 days of prayer and fasting, and I'll give you some more details at the end of that, at the end of the message today. But, but basically, we're going into 21 days as a church, and we're going to pray collectively and together. I'm going to open up the church every morning at 6 o'clock, and we can come and pray together. How many of you know there's power in unity? There's power when you get together with the other saints, and you begin to pray and seek the Father. Amen? There's just power in that. And, and, and you know today's times, especially today, more than ever, the church needs to rise up and the church needs to pray like it's never prayed before. It's, not, it's ain't time for no sleepy time prayers and no God bless this supper prayer. It's time to get busy in prayer. Amen. So I'm going to challenge you this morning. I'm going I'm to call you out a little bit, but I hope to really inspire you to start praying. I want to make it simple for you today. I don't want to make it any more complicated than it is. And I want to give it to you today just in its simplest form of what prayer is. Can I do that? Good. So at all of our campuses lately, we've been ex- we've been experiencing tremendous growth for the last last couple of weeks. We've we've overcome the 500 barrier mark in attendance last weekend. I think it was uh, it was 514 we had last Sunday between all three campuses. That's good stuff, y'all. That's good, good, healthy growth for a small town. And so great things are happening. People's lives are getting touched. It seems like every message from Sunday is just lingering over through the week. I'm getting phone calls, text messages, man, pastor, God's dealing with me about this, man, that message, this, I'm going, man, it was all God. Cause I promise you, I ain't got that much power. You follow me? So God's doing something. It's just been happening for the last month. So there's a lot of things going on in our church right now. A lot of good things are happening. People are getting saved. They're getting baptized. They're getting filled with the Holy spirit. Come on. Babies are getting dedicated. This is one of our best summers ever. All right, we're starting to get somewhere now. You're starting to wake up. Give everybody a shot of espresso or something. What's that coffee we get in the morning? Cold brew. Y'all get some of that, man. Y'all going to be dancing. Them men on, on the Wednesday morning men's Bible study, they drink that, and I don't even have to talk. They just talk. <laughs> Jet fuel, you're right. We have a good time on Wednesday mornings. So it's by no chance that you're here today, and, and I want you to understand something, that everything that, that we're going through, everything that we're experiencing, I want you to see behind the scenes today, it's all bathed in prayer. I want you to understand something. There's people praying for you before you even got up this morning. There's a group of, group of people praying for every campus. Pastor Randy, who will be with us next weekend, who, who, who many of you remember came and preached while I was in England. He's an intercessor, leads the prayer team in Broussard and Lafayette. He prays for us every day. Come on, that ought to give you the frisons or something. I mean, dear goodness, somebody loves you enough to pray for you. Amen. But here's the deal. It's not us. It's him. 
It's bathing ourselves in prayer. It's, it's stepping out in prayer. The Bible says it's not by might nor by power, but by his spirit. Amen. So that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be kicking that off. And so today I want to, I really want to uh, challenge you to pray first. And, and maybe you need, to, you need to start doing some things a little different, some, some practical things. Maybe when you get up in the morning, you need to just pray first. Some of you got to have a pass. I got to get to the bathroom. Well, that's okay. You got about 10, 20 steps for the bathroom. You got enough time to say, Lord, thank you for this day. I pray I trip over nothing. Help me to make it there, Lord, please. In Jesus' name, I love you. Pray first. Before you make that phone call, pray first. Before you drop the kids off at school, pray first. When the problems come, and they always come, pray first. Amen? I love it when I call somebody and I want to cry on their shoulder and they look at me and the first thing they say is, did you pray about this first? (laughs) No. You need to turn around and go pray before you come to me because you try to put me in the place of God. That was good. So today I want to teach you to pray. And then in the coming weeks, we'll show you how to work this prayer into your life. First Thessalonians 5, 16, 18 says this. This was actually the the Bible study Wednesday morning. morning, Daniel brought the word for for the men's Bible study. And this was his word. It says, first Thessalonians 5, 16, 18 says, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Some of your Bibles say pray without ceasing. In other words, don't stop. Don't end. Don't come to completion. I share with the guys in the, in the Bible study Wednesday morning that, that my wife has a habit of when her and I talk on the cell phone, she won't hang up. And, and what I realized Wednesday morning is I got the same problem because it, it affects me because I don't hang up. I expect everybody else to hang up. So if I don't hang up, the other person can actually keep listening to my call. Right? So sometimes I got to go. She just hang the phone up. But I got to realize I didn't hang it up either. Right. So praying without ceasing is like not hanging the phone up. So it's it's some of us have been trained to pray this five minute prayer in a monotone language to where we just go and we do our due diligence and we can check it off of our list and say we prayed. But the Bible says to be joyful always and to pray without ceasing. I wonder why he put those two together. Maybe you're supposed to find joy in praying without ceasing. Prayer should be our first response, not our response, not our last resort. How many of you were raised like this? I kind of used and this statement irks me now, but it used to be my statement. When somebody would share their story with you, maybe they're going through something, they're battling something, and you kind of go, well... Guess all we can do is pray. Anybody else ever say that? Now I kind of, I used to want to slap myself, but now I kind of go, man, what the heck are you, what you mean now all we're going to do is pray? You should have been praying from the get-go. Amen? You should seek the Father before you seek man. Seek the Father before you seek the doctor. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. needs to be our first response. And you know how that happens? That happens as we, we discipline ourselves to do that. It's not, you're not going to leave here today and magically you're going to start praying first. You follow me? I wish that would happen. 
<laughs> just to be honest with you, I wish I could listen to a message and I would be changed. But the reality is that God puts some responsibility on us to make that decision to pray first. And it needs to become a habit in your life. The reason we're doing 21 days of prayer is because they say it takes 21 days to form a habit. There's nothing deep and spiritual about it. It's just 21 days form a habit. Because we need to have, we need to be in the habit of praying first. Amen. Second Chronicles seven thirteen says, "At times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls, or command grasshoppers to devour your crops, or send plagues among you, among you." Then if my people who are called by name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. Did you see that? Prayer is just one part of that. The first thing he says is that you need to humble yourself. You know what that means? That means that you need to realize that you can't start your day. You can't do the next thing until you humble yourself and pray about it first. Right. But, but pastor, I'm good at my schedule. I'm good at scheduling. You know, I got to hit the door running. I mean, you know, it, it, we go wide open from the time we wake up to the time we go to bed. That's great. How's that working for you? Are you tired and exhausted? You got no wind in your sails? Your day feels like this all day and you're struggling and you're working hard and you're exhausted. You know what? If you'll get up and pray first. God will put a little wind in your sails. Come on, somebody. He'll put a little wind in your sails and you may get to put the paddle down and not work so hard. Just saying. Just saying. It's a whole lot easier when the wind does the work. I said it's a whole lot easier when the wind does the work. So Luke 11, 1 says, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Y'all remember that verse? Said that the disciples, they heard Jesus pray. I believe there was something so impactful about Jesus's prayer that the disciples said, man, I got to have me some of that. Man, how can I pray like that? How can I be that personal and relational with God? How can I know God like that to have that kind of a conversation? You see, because the disciples at this point were already taught to memorize prayers. They had all kinds of prayers they were memorizing since they were kids. They didn't need to know anything else about how to pray. They just needed to know to pray like Jesus prayed. Come on. So Jesus responds and he says, okay, great. Let me give you the outline. How many of you know the Our Father prayer? I want you to say it with me this morning. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Uh, amen. Did you, did you hear what that sounded like? That was pitiful. That was pathetic. You think the enemy was moved by that? You think all of hell started shaking because of that? But that's how we get, right? In our prayer life, we get kind of monotoned. We kind of go, our Father, Lord. I mean, we used to pray that prayer over everything. 
culture say, so-and-so bless the food. And everybody goes, ah, Father. Just routine. Like I said, somebody has to pray. And everybody just goes, ah, Father, Lord, man. Right? There's nothing wrong with praying that, but that wasn't the prayer Jesus was teaching his disciples. That was an outline of how to pray. He was giving them the structure, the actual skeleton of how to pray. You got to get beyond the skeleton. You got to put a little meat and skin on the thing. Come on, you got to put some organs in. You got to make it real and alive. Amen. It's got to get beyond the skeleton. So Jesus said, great, guys, I'll teach you how to pray. And he gives them the prayer. So I want to go through that this morning. Just step by step. Number one, we need to connect with God relationally. Relationally. Let me ask you a question. When you call God's name, what name do you use? When you call God, you don't have to answer out loud. What name do you use? Is it Lord? Is it God? Is it an old masterful spirit in the air? I mean, how do you how do you know God? How do you call his name? Jesus said you should call his name Father. So in the skeleton of prayer, he says this, you need to start out by recognizing or identifying who you're talking to. How many of you love it when people walk into a room and say something and you don't want to identify who they're talking to? And everybody in the room's going, they're talking to me. (laughs) Who are you talking to? Your prayer life needs to start with Father. You know why? Because that's how you know him. That's how you see him. That's the kind of relationship you have. Come on, he needs to start with Father. He loves to be called Father. My kids get in trouble when they call me Jamie. What you call me? But man, when they say Dad, it does something. It gets my attention. Right? It's personal. It's relational. It means that we're close. You see, my kids and I have built a relationship that's close enough that they don't have to call me Jamie, Tyler. They can call me dad. Right? That only comes when you spend time together. That only comes when you get to know somebody. Amen? And listen, I can tell a lot about my kids how they say my name. Right? I'll give you an example. When they want something, hey, dad. Right? It's all sweet. It's all good. Hey, dad. I'm like, what you want? Well, how you know I want it? Because the way you said dad. When they're aggravated at their brother or the sister. Dad, dad, dad. You better tell that boy something. Right? Or if they're hurt or they're in a bind, I know they cry. Daddy! Daddy! That usually happens when they see a snake in the barn. I know the difference because they say it different. Why? Because we have a relationship. Number one, you need to connect with God relationally. It needs to go beyond a a Sunday ordained type of prayer. And it needs to be a, a personal, relational, you know God and God knows you. Amen? You know God and God knows you. Romans 8.15 says this, and boy, let me tell you something. This has been a big verse lately. In my life and in the people around me, Romans 8, 15 says, so that you have so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you receive God's spirit when 
when he adopted you as his own children, and now we call him Abba Father. You see, when I say, depending on what you call God, that talks about your situation in life and your condition, if you're still calling him God, if you're still saying our Lord, and you never broke into the Father, I'm giving you an example here this morning. If you've never broken in that, then you don't believe Romans. Where he says that I've not given you a spirit of a fearful slave, but I've given you a spirit of adoption by which you call me father. I got to say that better because you didn't quite get that. You see, God's been dealing with some young men in our church and in this area for the last couple of weeks because they feel rejected and they feel thrown out and they feel cast out and they feel like they don't belong and they don't have a father. And that's the enemy speaking lies to them and telling them that they're fearful slaves and they're not adopted. Because you see, when you're adopted and you're brought into God's house, you don't have to call him anything else but father. You've been given the right to take your shoes off. You've been given the right to be comfortable in the kingdom. Why? Because you're adopted. Did you do anything to get adopted? No. He chose you. He chose to adopt you. In fact, he's the one that led you to Jesus to give your life to Jesus so that you could receive the adoption. The only thing you did is surrender your life and say, Lord, I receive everything that you have for me. He says, great. You're adopted. You're my son. You're my daughter. You call me father from now on. I'm going to be your daddy. And boy, let me tell you something. He will, yeah. Oh, he'll be your daddy. I was raised up without a daddy. <laughs> I asked God to be my daddy, and boy, he did. And it wasn't bad. Connect with God relationally. Number two, worship him. The prayer continues. It says, hallowed be thy name, or hallowed be your name. That means for us that we need to worship the names of God. We need to worship God for who he is and what he's called and what he does. We need to worship him. So you start your prayer out by identifying who you're talking to. Hey, Father, I'm not talking to Leroy. I'm not talking to Bob. I'm talking to the Father. Man, praise you. You're awesome. I worship you. You're great. You know why you do that? That's just because of respect and honor. Right? When you come to your daddy, you, got, you, should, you need to have some respect and honor. There's not enough of that in the world today, right? Worship his name. It's funny. I tell my girls or, or even my son to go. I tell one kid to go tell the other kids to clean their room, okay? I'll say, I'll use Virginia. I'll say, Virginia, go tell your brother and sister y'all need to clean your rooms. Okay. And she'll go in there. She'll try to go in her own authority. Hey, we need to clean our rooms. And they both go, Psh. whatever. But when she says, daddy said, Oh, well, daddy said we need to clean our rooms. Oh, daddy said. Right? Why is that? Because daddy carries some weight. Right? Daddy got some responsibility. Daddy's got authority. Right? Let's look at a couple of names of God. Rome, let's go to Proverbs 18 first. God's name is a place of protection. The righteous can run there and be safe. That's God's name. That's just talking about God's name. His name, you can run to his name and find protection. 
You need to know what God's names are. One of his names is righteousness. Another name is sanctifier, healer, shepherd, provider, peace. I love this one. Banner of victory. And let check this one out. There. There is one of his names. You know why? Because he's always there. He's always there. That's God's name broken down into you in English. Cajun English. Right? It's as simple as you can break it down. That's his name. He's righteousness. Come on. He's your righteousness. He's your sanctifier. He's your healer. You, the Bible says that you run underneath that name for protection. When the enemy comes against you, hey, righteousness. When you feel like you're defeated, hey, banner of victory. Come on, somebody. You holler at people all week long. You need to start hollering at the right folks. Amen. You holler at your kids more than you holler at the devil. So number two, worship his name. Number three, pray his agenda first. Let's take care of his business first. Matthew 6, says this, to seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. Say everything. everything. Say it again. Everything. He will give you everything you need if you'll seek his kingdom first and live righteously. Simple. Seek him first and live righteously. And he will give you everything that you need. You see, the prayer goes like this. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, when when Jesus gave them that model, he was giving them the example that you need to put God's agenda first. You need to put his plans first. Your plans need to line up with God's plans, not God's plans line up with your plans. Too many times we get up in the morning, we ask God to bless something that we want to do and he doesn't want to do. And then we get mad at him because he don't show up. Then you end up needing to bail out. Right? Pray his will first. Lord, I don't want to get tangled up. I don't want to get confused. I don't want to think that I know what I'm supposed to be doing. That's part of staying humble. He's realizing that you don't know what's best for your life. Amen. Pray his agenda first. Seek him first. What is his will? What do you say, God? It's asking and agreeing with God that his kingdom and his power would come first. It's agreeing that the kingdom of heaven would come down to earth. You got to get this. Because everything in the kingdom of heaven is tight and right. We need the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Jesus said you need to pray that. You need to pray, Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done on this earth, in my life, in my family, over my kids, over my finances, over this sickness. Your kingdom come. Why? Because the kingdom is perfect. The kingdom has everything that it needs. You getting some yet? Come on, we going somewhere? Pray his agenda first. Number four, depend on him for everything. There's that word again. Say everything. Give us this day our daily bread. You know, too many times in my life, I've said, God, I got this. When I need you, I'll call you. 
<laughs> Y'all laughing, huh? Yeah, you do the same thing. Don't laugh at me. But too many times we only go to God when we need something. But his word says to pray without ceasing. The Bible says, tell God everything that you need. It's not like it's a surprise. He does something in it when you tell him what you need. He does something to you. It says to him that, Lord, I need you. I need you. I'm not greater than you. I'm not smarter than you. Are you getting this? When you put him first and you come to him that way and you ask him for your daily bread. Kind of helps to keep you from forgetting that you're already blessed. Because when you daily come to God and you say, Lord, Lord, I need my bills paid. You go, my bills have been paid. Lord, I, I need this pain to go away. And it's gone. You're already blessed. It reminds you of who you are. Amen? Depend on him for everything. Don't just come to him when you need him. He's bigger than a 911 call. Psalms 121 says this, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. You know what that word mountains in that verse means? That's where the seat of government or where their, their capital hill was. And, and the psalmist is asking the question, is, 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 is that where my help comes from? Does my help come from the government? No. No, my help comes from the Lord. Right? Let me tell you something. The only way America is going to change is not by a new president. It's not even with a new governor or a new mayor or a new sheriff, or a new whatever. It's going to come by him, and only by him. When the church starts realizing that we need him, that we've fallen asleep, that we've walked in sin, and we'll humble ourselves, and repent, and pray, the Bible says he'll heal our land. He will heal our land. Your help doesn't come from Capitol Hill. It comes from the one that made Capitol Hill. Number five, get your heart right with God and people. Two of y'all got hit on that one. Number five, get your heart right with God, not people. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Too many times we become desensitized to sin, our own sin. You see, we're fully sensitized to everybody else's sin. We got this little radar. Right? It kind of goes off. Oh, there's a sinner. Oh, there's another one. Oh, you sinned. You, you, you. You better repent. Right? We love to tell people to repent. We love to tell them when they make a mistake. Right? But how often do we go to God and say, Lord, examine my heart. Lord, Lord, open my heart. Show me the dark corners of my heart. Jesus' model prayer, the skeleton to his prayer says that we need to forgive our debts as we forgive Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I was reading this week, reading a great book, sitting right there in my office in the middle of the day, reading a book, great book, and enjoying it. And, and, and the, the writer said something about being critical. And it was kind of at the end of a chapter, just a very little short line, just said something about being critical. It was almost in passing. And man, it nailed me. And I went, you know, you ever get those moments where you kind of put the book back, you kind of go, whew. 
was that? And I realized that the Holy Spirit had just spoken to me. You know what I did? I put the book face down so I wouldn't lose my page. And I walked over to a chair, and I got on my knees before God. And I said, Lord, forgive me for being critical. Forgive me for being cynical. I agreed with 1 John 1, 9, where he says, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you. I agreed with that word. You know why? Because I needed forgiveness, and I needed cleansing from my unrighteousness. You see, we don't do enough self-examination in the church today. We're too busy talking about the government and what everybody else is doing wrong. When we need to check ourselves, right? You used to listen to a hip-hop song back in the day. You used to say, check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> sucka, sucka, sucka. Right? That was just to help you remember that. Don't make me start beatboxing up in the church. But it's true. We need to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. Amen? You need, to, you need to examine your heart. You need to ask God to show you the dark corners. Father, examine me. David did that constantly. Lord, show me my heart. Why did he do that? Because he didn't want to embarrass God. He didn't want to misrepresent God. He didn't want to walk out in this pride and this, humi- and this, and this false humility that he's got everything going on. You know why? Because he wanted to stay in the presence of God. He wanted to stay in the power of God. And man, let me tell you something. God don't want to hang out with pride. The Bible says that God resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. You see, grace brings you close. Resistance brings you away. David didn't want to miss out on the presence of God. So he humbled himself. He dealt with his sin on a constant basis. Listen to me. We're all full of sin. But if we'll deal with it, We'll get past it. Some of that weight you've been carrying around that you're thinking it's your past hurts and wounds is really just your present sin that is undealt with and unkept. Sin is like a water leak in your roof. If you don't get up there and deal with it, it's eventually going to rot the house down. So get your heart right with God and with people. You may need to go to somebody and ask them for forgiveness. You You may need to go and repent. I had to do that this week too. I called my dad. I didn't call him in time to tell him my son had a birthday party. And when we scheduled it, and I felt convicted. So I called, I said, hey, man, I'm sorry, Dad. I'm, I, because we got this thing between us. The Holy Spirit gave it. It was a simple little thing. Gave it to me. I dealt with it. Amen? So when you realize you have sin, stop and deal with it right there. Don't hesitate. Get freed up from that. Get cleansed off. First John 1 John 1.9, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Didn't know you had some of that, huh? Number six is starting to get intense now. Jesus is really starting to get serious in, the, in his skeleton of prayer. Number six says to engage in spiritual warfare. The, the prayer goes like this, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is actually not a good translation what it literally means is not, God, don't, don't you lead us into the temptation. It's kind of like, God, keep me from being led into temptation. You follow me? Why? Because there's a, there's a snare in front of you all the time. There's a temptation that the enemy knows is specific just for you, and he's throwing it at you all day long. In fact, he's got a couple of them in his arsenal, and he's throwing them at you all day long. Why? Because he wants to trip you up. 
Remember, he's here to steal, kill, and destroy. But God, God's here and he sent his son here to give us life. Right? So the, Jesus said, you need to pray. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's spiritual warfare, y'all. And let me tell you something. If you're not engaged in spiritual warfare, the devil's outworking you. If you're not on a daily basis, and tell it, daily basis telling the devil where he needs to go, what are you doing? Do you have this Rocky Balboa spirit where you're going to get in the ring with the devil and take 100 or 50, 150 licks and, and you think, boy, when I get mad, I'm going to do something. Oh, I'm going to do something. Listen to me. You're not Rocky Balboa. That was a movie. That's not real. If you don't stand up and, and engage in spiritual warfare, you're going to get whooped. And you're going to live whooped. You want the devil to stop sucker punching you? Start sucker punching him. Get up in the morning and tell him where he got to go. You know where that's at. Right? Engage yourself in the spiritual warfare for your family, for your marriage, for your relationships, for your finances, for your physical health, for your spiritual health. Come on, we got to stand up. The church is sleeping. We got to wake up. Ephesians 6.12 says this, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Some of you spend too much time fighting with people. Your battle's not with people. I'll say it again. Your battle is not with people. You're not called to fight with people. It's not a flesh and blood battle. It's a spiritual battle. It's in the heavenlies. It's in the dark realm. It's where the evil principalities are. That's who you're supposed to be mad at. That's who you're supposed to be fighting. That's why the Bible can turn around and say you need to love your neighbor and bless your enemy and love your enemy. He can say that. Why? Because your battle is not with your flesh and blood enemy. It's with the spiritual enemy. How do do I get you to get that? When you're tempted to fight with people, stop. And fight where the fight is. Another good reason to pray first. Before you tell somebody off, you need to get it off your chest in the right place. Right? But, but Pastor, it's just a whole lot easier just to tell somebody off, man. It feels good. I feel you. It does feel good. For five minutes. Then the Holy Spirit gets a hold and you got to turn around and humble yourself to the person you just told off. And then you got to go repent to that person. So who looks like the fool now? You, you, you no good. Blankety blank. And you walk off and you come back. I'm sorry. I mean, come on. You see what that looks like? I mean, that's embarrassing. It really is. Your battle's in the air. It's not on the ground. Amen? 
engage in spiritual warfare. You have to engage in something that you have to do, something that you have, in, have to intentionally choose to do every day is to engage in spiritual warfare when you feel like it and even when you don't. I'll say it like this, when you feel like it, but then especially when you don't. Because when you don't feel like engaging in it, it is when you need to engage in it the most. Isn't that true? Come on. Don't let the devil outwork you. Don't sit there and take his licks. Don't let him wear you down. And don't let him become a distraction. Because if he can't get you to fall, he's going to try to get you to chase him. You're not called to chase the devil. The Bible says if you resist him, he'll flee from you. It's as easy as, you better go on. You better get out of my yard. Come on, like that little bad kid in the neighborhood. You better go home, boy. Come around here hanging out with my kids. Right? So you should tell me. <laughs> nah, that was a lie. That was what my mama used to tell them other kids. You know how it is. Last one. Number six, engage in spiritual warfare. Number two, express faith in God's ability. This is huge. Express faith in God's ability. But we're good about bragging about what we can do, right? Love to tell people what we accomplish in one day. Love to tell people how smart we are. Love to tell people what we know and who we know and how we got there and what our success came from. But let me tell you something. You really start hitting the ground when you start praising God for his ability. And you start, you start expressing faith in his ability. The prayer says this, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Wow. You see how we started? Number one, our father. 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 In heaven, I come to you today. Thank you so much for being who you are. I worship you. You're mighty. You're strong. You're powerful. Thank you for your name, Lord. Thank you that your name is a protection for me. And I can hide underneath your name, Lord. Thank you for that, Father. Lord, I want to do your will. And I want to I accomplish your will. And I want your kingdom to come on this earth. And that's how you pray. You see how it's going? And then as it builds momentum, this is the kind of prayer that you go into the prayer closet, kind of weak and feeble, but when you come out, you're ready to take a bear on with a switch. Right? That's what's happening right now. It starts out with a Father, thank you. And it ends with a Lord, it's your kingdom. It's your power and your glory. You the man. Right? You go in half asleep, Lord, Father, yeah, Father, thank you for the day. Oh. Lord, I wish the coffee machine was faster. Come on, somebody. Right? I mean, Keurig just ain't cutting it no more. But, man, when it's over with, your faith is so stirred and you're so energized. It's like you took a shot of nitrous and your engine's about to blow out the hood. Right? I mean, you're just fired up, ready to take your day on. You know what? That's how it's supposed to be. That's why Jesus gave it to us like this. 
You take care of business on the front end, and by the time you get to the end, you're ready to take it on. You're like, come on, devil. Come on, crazy boss. Come on. Come on, wife. Or come on, husband. Come on. You know how us men are. We bark all day and we meow at night. That's what the occasion lady said. We're ready to take it on. We're ready to go forward. We're built up. We've, we've taken care of spiritual warfare. We've asked for protection over our family. We've told the enemy and all of his plans where to go. We've taken care of business. Man, what if the church did this every day? What if the church did this without ceasing? Come on, somebody. What if this little body right here started tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock and we came here half asleep? And we sought the Father. And we repented of sin. And we called out a hedge of protection for us to keep us from temptation. And we agreed with his will for this planet. And then by the time we walk out, we go to them jobs and we go to them homes. And wherever you're going, you're ready to go. What happens if a church does that? What happens to the city of Eunice and the surrounding areas if this little body of believers right here would start that? You see, what America needs today more than ever is revival. You know where revival starts? No, me. Say it, say me. Revival starts with me. Not you, not him, me. Revival starts with me. My prayer and my faith is that this next 21 days is going to be huge for us. It's going to be huge. And let me tell you something. The enemy is going to give you every excuse in the book not to come here at 6 o'clock in the morning with other people and pray. And, and there will be valid excuses, and you can take them if you want to. But let me tell you something. If you take those excuses, you're going to miss out. Because there's power in unity, and there's power in praying together and agreeing together. Amen? Let me give you two verses to finish. Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen says, O sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Revelations five thirteen: blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. That needs to be the anthem of your heart. You need to go into your day with those statements on your mouth and in, in your mouth and on your lips that, that it's him. It's him. Everything that I have is because of him. It's his power. He controls it all. He's the man. Right? And I'm just his son or daughter. And I'm adopted. Amen? I'm adopted. It's who I am. I'm a son. Do you receive... A spirit of adoption today? Do you receive that? You know, I prayed before this service that that the spirit of scales would fall off of people's eyes and the spirit of adoption would fill this place. And I believe today somebody's going to give their life to Jesus because they're receiving a spirit of adoption. Somebody's going to go from knowing about him to actually connecting with him today. We're going to break through the religious thing of, of God and, and, and Lord and, oh, dear, heavenly 
being and, and walking to a place where we just scream out, Father, thank you. It's so familiar and we don't even think about it. Somebody's going to go into that today. Would you stand up with me this morning? Father, I bless you. And I thank you for your word. I thank you that the spirit of adoption is here today. Lord, there's somebody here who hasn't received your adoption. Father, I pray right now that they would receive it. You know who you are. So with every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, nobody looking around. If you say, you know what, Pastor, I don't know God like that. I've never really known I was adopted. That's okay. You can be adopted today. If that's you, every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want you to slip your hand up real quick. Real quick. I see you. I see you. I see you. Anybody else? Real quick. Lord, I receive your adoption today. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want you to pray this with me. Everybody can join in. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your work on the cross. I believe it and I receive it. And Lord, I agree with what Romans says. That if I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. That I am saved. Lord, I agree with that today. I give you my life. I give you my past. I give you my present. I give you my future. I submit myself to you today, Lord. And I surrender my rights to my own life, to you. Thank you, Lord. Just begin to thank him right now. All over this place, just begin to thank him and praise him and bless him. We bless you, Lord. We thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for moving in our hearts. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for your adoption, Lord. Lord, I didn't deserve to be adopted. I'm not worthy to be adopted. But Lord, you chose me. In my present condition, you chose me to be your son or daughter. And I thank you for that. Father, forgive me for where I failed you, for where I've fallen short. Forgive me for the pride of life that says I only need you when I need you. Outside of that, I'll call for you. Lord, forgive me for my independence and thinking that I can do this thing on my own. Lord, forgive me for my undealt with sin. Forgive me for looking at other people's sin and not looking at my own. Lord, forgive me for not dealing with my sin. Lord, open my eyes. To your heavenly place, Lord. 
where my hope comes from, where my strength comes from. Thank you that you're my banner of victory, Lord. You're my healer, my provider, my protector, my righteousness, my sanctification, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We praise you, Father. In the mighty name of Jesus. I said in the mighty name of Jesus. And we say a big amen.